Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Merry Christmas, Evolve Church family. It's a delight to be here. I also want to wish a Merry Christmas to any visitors who are watching this program this morning. And I also want to wish you a very happy new year. I am so grateful for this opportunity to share with you on this last Sunday of 2020, a most challenging year. I want to share a message of God's amazing hope to help you and a weary world rejoice. For indeed, these times have wearied many. Do you remember the old days when families and friends could be together at Christmas? When someone coming toward you wouldn't have to cross the street to pass by? When we could honor our seniors with visits in their homes and could bring comfort to those in hospital beds? Well, I could go on and on with recollections of what life used to be before that microscopic virus enormously turned our world upside down. Way back in the last few years of 2019, With all the optimistic prospects of a new year filled with new vision as suggested by the 2020 vision metaphor, we had no idea of the physical, psychological, and economic tsunami that was about to roll over the shores of our lives. Our faith was about to get tested very severely. And so here we are. It's been 10 months since the March lockdown stuff happened, and it's taken a toll And perhaps just a few days ago, you had the toughest Christmas you could ever have imagined. The very day when we, the people of faith, celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That season that is to yield the best of family times and memory making. Well, it was very different, to say the least. But listen carefully. Christmas was not canceled. We know that. No virus, no restrictions can change the truth that unto us a child is born, unto us a Savior is given, and we will call his name Jesus because he saves his people from their sins. And so perhaps like never before, this Christmas message of hope is the best gift we could ever get and very much needed. No virus will ever dethrone God. Now, some of you may know that our eldest son, Nate, is a politician. He's an MLA serving in the Alberta government as a cabinet minister. He entered politics because he was driven by the need to make positive change, by the hope that he could make a difference. Hope resulted in action, and he campaigned, and he was elected. When he began serving, I tried my best attempts at imparting some fatherly wisdom to him, for example, stressing the importance of integrity. I told him how I firmly believe that God was raising up leadership in our province for such a time as this. Well, little did we know what such a time as this was about to include. The challenge and burden of his job rose to new heights. I texted Nate another pearl of wisdom about three weeks ago when I started rereading Tolkien's Fellowship of the Ring. If you don't know the story, in a nutshell, the fictional world of Middle-earth is under dire threat as a dark, evil shadow has appeared and threatens peaceful existence. The only hope is that Frodo, a hobbit, completes a long and dangerous mission, and it's one he didn't apply for, nor did he have any inkling 
of the fearful hardships and heavy burden each day would bring. Gandalf apprises Frodo somewhat of the frightful history that necessitates his daunting mission. And Frodo wishes for the good old days of blissful ignorance. And here's what I texted my son, Nate. I said, this is somewhat appropriate for governing through COVID. And I quote, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. The time that is given us. What to do with it? Well, we could all wish that a society-crippling pandemic had not happened in our time, but it did. And we lean into our faith, and there we find a treasure that cannot be destroyed, and that is hope in God. God is never ambushed. He's never caught sleeping on the job. He is always in control. This is my Father's world. The Apostle Paul wrote a fair bit of our Bible. And one of his famous statements is this, do not be anxious about anything. Well, Mr. Apostle, that may be good advice, but you aren't in our COVID shoes right now. I've heard it preached that to be anxious is a sin, that worry is a sin. But how can it be possible that we are never anxious? Of course, being told worry only does what? Yep, that's right. It gives us a whole lot more to worry about, doesn't it? Yet listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter that's called 2 Corinthians. It's in chapter 1, and I'm starting to read at verse 8. It goes like this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Hardships, suffering, the apostle was under great pressure, far beyond his ability to endure so that he despaired even of his life? Paul, I thought you said that we should never worry. It's much easier for us to relate to a real Paul when he describes his turmoil and worries. Much easier than to a Paul who's fashioned by some into their own image of condemnation. Worry is a sin, and if you can't slay your anxieties, what kind of a Christian are you? Sure, even Jesus said, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or what you will wear. Do not worry about tomorrow, he says. Yet we know that Jesus agonized, dare we say he even had anxiety, as he wrestled with the prospect of his impending betrayal and crucifixion. He prayed so desperately that we are told that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And later, as he was racked with pain on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, how do we live in hope when anxieties hound us? How do we reconcile our real-life stuff with what the Bible tells us when it says, Don't be anxious and don't worry? First off, let's dispense with this notion that when you worry, 
God gets angry with you. Look at it this way. When a child is worried, when he or she is anxious about stuff, and it may seem small to an adult, what is a parent's desire? Is it to demonstrate anger at the foolish, worrying little humanoid, or to console and to encourage them, to help them to see the positive amidst all the garbage of life, to see the light and to be comforted by a hug? So does God want you to worry? Probably not. No more than I want my children or my grandchildren to have to worry. Does God think less of you because anxiety weighs you down? Absolutely not. Yet worry is a part of life that we have to manage. The Father knows that better than we do. And just as we want to help our loved ones not to worry, so too our Heavenly Father comes beside us either to help us out or to help us through however long that through may take. Here's the deal. And here's how to understand what Jesus and Paul said about not worrying. They were consoling us in our worries. They were showing us how to cope, how to deal and be victorious over those weights. Notice what remedy Jesus does give. It's like he's saying, here's what to do when you're swamped with worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, when you are worried, when stuff keeps you up at night, or when it wakes you up at three in the morning, when a dark cloud hovers over you, even in the brightness of the noonday, seek God, press in, pray, immerse yourself in scripture, listen for his voice. What was Jesus doing in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was in anguish over what the next 24 hours would bring him? He was praying. It was intense prayer, not claiming a verse he pulled out of some daily promise box. He was on his face crying out to his father with loud cries and tears, and he was heard, we are told. And what does Paul write just after he says, don't be anxious about anything? He says this, in everything, that is the same everything that we aren't supposed to be anxious about, that very everything, he says, pray. Make your heart known to God. I'll paraphrase it this way. When worries come, and they will, when anxieties wash over you, and they will, in those times, however long they last, pray. Seek first God's kingdom. It's interesting that Jesus told us to seek first, first the kingdom of God. Perhaps part of the reason is to remind us who is in control of this world. It is God's kingdom. We don't live in a world governed by COVID or by struggles of any sort, even though those are real and significant. We live in a world that is ruled by God. Now hold that thought as we look back at our passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this time verse 8. He lists three things. He said, we are under great pressure. It was far beyond our ability to endure. And we despaired even of death. Now can you relate to any of that? Then notice what he says in verse 9. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Don't interpret that to mean that the reason COVID happened is to teach us all a lesson. 
I really don't think that this is a plague that God sent as premeditated judgment on humanity. Rather, let's look at it this way. Since this has happened, let it teach us not to rely on ourselves. Let it open our eyes to God. In the message translation, it reads this way. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. I like that. When all this COVID paranoia was thrust upon us, the first verse that came to my mind was this. If you falter in times of struggle, how small is your strength? Proverbs 24.10. Did you falter at all? Did you worry? Were you frightened by worst-case scenarios as you sought first the kingdom of the media? Are waves of anxiety still washing over you at times? This verdict, if you falter in times of struggle, how small is your strength? That doesn't seem to be very encouraging. Unless, unless we see it in tandem with what Paul said, it taught us to rely on God. Let me put it this way. It reminded us that our own strength is not our solution. Rather, it is, let's use what small strength we have and use it to lean in to God's strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I have real strength. It's a hybrid strength. My hand in God's hand. Canada's lyrical theologian Bruce Coburn wrote a song, and the lyrics go this way. Sometimes a wind comes out of nowhere and knocks you off your feet. And look, see my tears, they fill the whole night sky. Derailed and desperate, how did I get here? Hanging from this high wire by the tatters of my faith. Now there are two ways to see that powerful image of hanging from this high wire by the tatters of my faith. You can either imagine a picture of imminent doom where the last tatters are about to rip and he's going to fall. Or you can see an amazing faith-built image. How can it be faith-built? Think of it this way. What are tatters? Tatters are the strongest part of a ripped or worn-out clothing. It's the part of the cloth that hangs in there. Perhaps a better way to say it or to see it is, is in that old saying that goes this way, and it will always be true. It is not my frail grasp of God's hand that matters, but God's strong grip on my frail hand. Paul's strategy, in part, was to turn stress into a reminder to rely on God. And in so doing, he focused on two key character qualities of God. Number one, we rely on a God who raises the dead, he says. Now, certainly he has in mind the ultimate raising of the dead when Jesus walked out of the tomb some three days after the crucifixion. But there can be no doubt, Paul also uses that expression, raises the dead, metaphorically. You see, Paul was worried about the death of his mission to reach people with the good news of God's love for all mankind. But he set his hope on God, and so despite what looked like death, terrible setbacks, like a crushing dead end, God was there and grabbed the tatters of Paul's faith. So consider it this way. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, 
How much more can he bring life to what seems to be dead or dying in your life? Or, to be honest, since some things may never be the same, God will give something new and life-giving raised out of the ashes. The Bible is very honest about life on this planet for us. Let me give you some examples. The Bible says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. And who hasn't been weighed down? It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And who hasn't felt all this has gone on too long? Our hope has been deferred. It's been delayed. How long? Oh, Lord, we pray. But the Bible doesn't merely state the negative stuff of life. Yes, an anxious heart does weigh a man down. But the second half of that verse is, but a kind word cheers him up. Yes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Our longings for deliverance will be fulfilled. Keep hope alive. It also says in the Bible, like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. I have such good news for all of you. And it is good news from a distant land. It's good news from our Father who is in heaven. God has this. He's in control. He will deliver. Let me give you another Tolkien-inspired line from Fellowship of the Ring. It goes this way. Do not trouble, trouble your hearts overmuch with the thought of the road tonight. Maybe the paths <clears throat> that you each shall tread are already laid under your feet, though you do not see them. Now, did you catch any Bible echoes there? Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. It also says in the book of Proverbs, in all your ways, lean into God and he will direct your paths, your footsteps. Powerful truth. So some questions for you. Do you feel that there's anything dying in your life? What dreams or hopes have been dashed or put on uncertain hold? Are you in a place from which you cannot see the way out? Let me say this. Your future is in God's hand. Setbacks and challenges are powerful reminders. Trust me, I'm in control, God says. Your life is in my hands. Be still and know that I am God. Not only did the Apostle Paul correct his own perspective from relying on self to relying on God, he also focused on God as his deliverer. Notice the threefold declaration of 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10. He has delivered us, he will deliver us, and on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. You see, God is still in the delivery business. Amazon has nothing on him. Paul knew this from many past experiences of God's faithfulness, and many of you know it too. Recall those past experiences. After all, remembering is a spiritual exercise. On him we have set our hope. Have you set your hope on God? Are you longing for hope but find it elusive? We aren't talking about some fickle type of hope. Hope is the assurance of things that are going to come. Things from the hand of God. Hope says, I don't know how, but God does. Hope says, I don't know when, but God does. And such hope keeps us going. 
Some of you may be new to the faith or you are checking out church and questioning all this God talk talk and, and Bible stuff. You aren't sure there's a God who loves you so much that he wants to deliver you. Many Christians, though, here at Evolve, can tell you amazing stories of how God has been there for them through the hardest and darkest times of their lives. And they can tell you how hope in God got them through. And that has been the story of the church through all the centuries. God's faithfulness is great. One of the signs of a healthy church is that as people encourage one another, they build each other up, they bear each other's burdens, they rejoice with those who rejoice, and they weep with those who weep. They share good news from a distant land. They demonstrate the love of God as they listen to each other, as they pray for each other, and give each other hope. I will sum up some suggestions on how to build hope. Turn to God. Pray with all your heart, not only with the shopping list of things you need him to do, but pour your heart out with every emotion that might make the proper religious sorts out there blush. After all, these are the types of prayers that we find in the book of Psalms. Secondly, feed your mind with positive material. Does watching TV news comfort you? Or does it breed more anxiety? Yes, we need to be informed, but how much information we need is debatable. And how that information is presented through the fear-mongering, ratings-grabbing news outlets, well, that should concern us. So make it a priority to feed your mind with Scripture. We want hope, and God has given us a storehouse of hope in the Bible. I challenge you to try memorizing some helpful portions of the Bible. Thirdly, worship. Ariana Grande isn't all that grand when it comes to feeding your spirit. Maybe you need to unplug ACDC. Rather, maybe we need to let the motley crew of musically talented Christians who are on the same journey that we are, who are figuring life out God's way, let them share their passion through music and let them encourage you. Be grateful. Count your blessings because counting your blessings is a high act of worship. I don't like watching too much TV advertising, but an ad recently caught my eye and I thought, this one is almost prophetic. In a nutshell, it addresses the restrictions and the closures and the wearing of masks and social distancing. But it also encourages us to hang in there with these measures because one day, we will be back with their families. One day we will see crowds at concerts and crowds in arenas at sporting events. One day, such is the immense value of presenting hope. My son Bennett shared the video, a devotional for December 16th for Evolve. And one of the challenging things he said was that our hope isn't to be built on the cure for or built on the the hope of the end of COVID, although we do hope for that. His point was, let us make sure that our hope is in God and that our faith grows so that the new normal won't erode our need to rely on Him. Each day of December, various evolvers have shared brief but excellent thoughts relating to hope. And what an amazing and timely idea the leadership of the church had to present that. We are in this together, family. 
And God will deliver us together, and he will keep on delivering us. And so here's my message of hope from Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. What comes to mind when you ponder that phrase, those who wait on the Lord? Those of you who are familiar with that fantastic verse might find it interesting that the word wait in Hebrew can also be translated hope. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And so, as I conclude, I want to wish you the best for 2021. It is going to be an amazing year by His grace. I don't only hope that it will be a, new, a good year. I have my hope in God who has 2021 in the palms of his hands, his loving hands, and he is in control. Let me pray with you. Our Father in heaven, there are some who are watching this who are in deep need. Would you bring hope? Father, there are some who are desperate, who don't know what lies ahead, would you bring hope to them? There are some who are lonely. There are some who are lost. There are some who've been decimated economically. Would you bring hope and provision for them? Father, would you lead us and guide us by your wonderful, gentle Holy Spirit when we worry, when we have anxieties, to lean in and to hear your voice and to do what we have to do to be desperate to hear your voice through your word, through prayer, and through one another. We give you thanks, Father, for the gift of 2020, the gift of your grace that got us through, and the grace that you have for us for 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.